Welcome to the Spiritual Rebels and Misfits Roundtable. Where we invite our fellow dreamers, thinkers, healers, lightworkers, world teachers, misfits, and rebels to join us every week at the Roundtable. Where we explore everything from love, business, life, and even things others might think are strange like UFOs or channeling. And we have co-created this space to deepen our own personal and spiritual journeys. And we'd love to have you add your questions, your wisdom, thoughts, ideas alongside us here at the Roundtable. And we're your hosts, Ashley Bradley, intuitive business coach and mom, calling out healers and lightworkers of the world to play a bigger game and show up with their unique magic. And this is my best friend, James Lesser. He is also a speaker, a writer, a member of the recovery community, and a clear spiritual activist. Hey everybody, welcome back to the round table. So, plant medicine. Um, we just wanna give you a quick little summary about what to expect because I feel like this was like so much more powerful and kind of mind blowing than I anticipated. Like, what are you feeling in sort of the aftermath of that episode? I feel like this was more of an educational round table but in like the best sort of way i felt very much like and we have a lot of spiritual talks that hit the heart a lot and mm -hmm. it really resonated with the soul and this resonated but it was very informative and eye-opening and really gave me a new perspective on plants and hallucinogenics and their benefits and weed and it was it educated me a lot and i'm very thankful for both the gentlemen that joined us yeah i feel like I totally feel like I really got like schooled like in the best way possible because I think when I, we we basically posed a similar question to somebody around psychedelics and to our second guest Peter around cannabis and like for them to give like such well thought out answers in terms of like well why are we why is this illegal you know like why why did we turn away from this stuff even though it was widely used and in, in ancient cultures for a long time. And the, the answers that they were very, very different, but they really just made so much sense. So I think that's like my favorite part of what you're gonna get when you listen to this is some answers that are really gonna make you think, you know, that are really gonna make you think. Um, and then, and potentially like, obviously you guys know James is a, is a part of the recovery community. so. I don't think I don't think you're anything's going to change or you're going to go out and have any ayahuasca uh, experiences in this lifetime. Um, but I feel like there might be people that listen that maybe weren't open that that after they sort of take away and remove some of the, the conditioning and some of the narrative that's been really spoon fed to us culturally. Like, I think that that it might give people a different perspective on it. So, yeah. Well, I, I think that what I love about it is, and the round table in general is, it doesn't need to apply to my life for it to matter. And I love being educated on it so I can support people. You know, one of our dear friends, her husband is having his first EDM, I forget how the initials to it, tomorrow. And so it gives me more empowerment to be supportive mm -hmm. of that journey. And wow. you know, when the, you know our conservative friends or people around us want to naysay or knock something, I now have a further education. But same thing, like if we talk about transgenders, uh, the transgender uh, 
group of people beings on this earth, you know, to be better educated about it. Even if you're not transgender, you're now educated. Same about race, same about other religions and spiritual expressions. I, I just love being educated, not for myself, because you're right. My days of hallucinogenics are far gone and the world's a better place because of it. But now I have an education and I have some knowledge to really be supportive of the people I love. Mm, yeah, so definitely check the the show notes and there'll be links in there if you are thinking about having one of these experiences definitely hit up greg and uh talk to him like it sounds like it's very important to do some work before about really like sort of opening to the experience so i'll drop greg's experience uh, or greg's uh info in there and even if you want to go like a little lighter with like cbd i'll drop in uh holden farms and um, peter holden's information um because i i do think that possibly maybe there's a gray area with sort of like maybe the use of cbd products i could imagine that like in the recovery community that's like not psychoactive people can yeah. people might use that right like I have, uh, there's the, just to take the stigma away there's plenty of people in the recovery community that are advocates for it I yeah mean, that's i i think it's a, well, we're gonna do a recovery one hopefully very soon but there is a very very supportive of, C of CBD and like it's it's properties and it's not psychoactive and it doesn't kick yeah. off depression. So like absolutely 100% supportive of that. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, uh, enjoy this. And we'll be really curious, by the way, you guys can leave us voice messages. Did you know that? You can actually click a button <laughs> from whatever podcast place you listen and and leave us like a like a like a message just to tell us what you think or what you got out of it. So like, do that or find us in our Facebook group by the same name and yeah, we'll, but don't we'll leave us then. don't leave us any dirty messages. Well <laughs> leave leave me dirty messages. Ashley's married. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll end there. Enjoy the episode. <laughs> Hey guys, if you are wanting to start your own podcast and you want a super easy way to do it, I highly recommend Anchor. So you can download the free Anchor app. You can either go to anchor.fm or just search on your phone for Anchor app. And the reason that I love it is it's completely free. It's a way that you can record and piece together like different elements of your podcast, whether you're on like your phone or your computer. And then it like basically puts your podcast in all of the different places so like apple podcast and spotify and then you can make money from it so you don't have to have like any minimum amount of listeners it's basically everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place for free so you can download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm and i hope you guys enjoy it have fun with it with that <laughs> sexy, sexy lipstick on. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Hello. James just always has to stir up trouble right before we go live. Um, that's just how it is around here. But welcome back. We are very excited, and we're talking about plant medicine for the next hour or so. So I am curious because obviously everybody knows that James is a part of the recovery community. And so I was even like kind of treading lightly when I'm like, are you even cool <laughs> with like being in a podcast talking about plant medicine? And I mean, yeah. I think you're cool with talking about it. You're, you're, you're sort of like encouraging towards me to have all of these experiences. I'm, try I'm trying to get you to get high all the time. Yeah. I am, <laughs> I am trying to get you to get high. <laughs> no, like just, I mean, 
full disclosure on my part, yes, I, I am sober. Today I'm three and a half years sober today. Um, but that I think there's kind of the stigma that for people in these programs, I try to be very cognizant of not naming the programs because they are anonymous. But I think there's a stigma that like we're like, you know, like crusaders, like, you know, drugs and alcohol are bad, you know, and that's not the case at all. Like I I love weed. I love trying to push you to get smoke more weed because you're you're even more hilarious high. I think that weed is great for society. I think hemp medicine is severely overlooked. I think big pharmaceutical is very scared of plant medicine. Um, I love psychedelics. I love doing them. I love the psychological benefits they can have for people. It's just for myself, really part of living this life is having that understanding that I just, I cannot partake mm. in it. And that's okay. And that's, this part of my life lesson. It's part of my soul contract to really understand that. And, you know, I, I, I support it 100%. Uh, I, I totally support microdosing, people smoking weed. So have at it. I'm here to learn. I'm here to, you know, pretty much be an exhib exhibitionist. So bring it on. And when I told you that I was like, I like really want to do ayahuasca, like, and then you were like, hey, girl, slow down. Let's maybe start you off with something <laughs> small and lighter. And, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I kind of feel like I almost would have like sort of like a a psychedelic experience midwife because I feel like because you are from the recovery community in some ways you have seen everything so you could be like mm -mm, girl like that is a no-no this is okay we're just gonna steer you over here and so I feel like I never had those experiences because I was sort of like you know the good girl and then we talked about this being the age of giving less fucks so now yeah. I feel like entering into my late 30s I'm just like hmm like what have I been conditioned to think about these things that made me allow maybe it pushed me kind of away right and I think that we both go down the rabbit hole of like Gaia and other kind of spiritual programs and and uh I think that it's definitely sparked more and more of a curiosity um and it's it's definitely made me very aware of that there's definitely been a very strong narrative around what things are and how they're portrayed in media uh, to almost like kind of keep this obviously is just my opinion, like the public away from some of its power, because personally, like if we look at things historically, I think kind of governments and those in power sort of want people to be controlled, right? They don't want people to think too deeply or to like ask too many questions <laughs> and I feel like even with just like my relationship with like cannabis, I feel like it is something that is connecting to nature. It's something that sort of opens me into a space of flow, like being able to take something into my body that's at that vibrational frequency that's come from the earth. And as soon as I noticed how much my intuition expanded and I dropped in when I was already doing these readings that it's sort of like almost heightened these abilities it really just made me wonder like how many things might be unlocked um, to even like kind of kickstart that relationship with sort of self or intuition or nature or flow with just sort of others in society. So I feel like that's really my curiosity about it. Like why I'm bringing it today. Well, I, I'm not one for, 
I'm not super huge on conspiracy theories. Not, you know how I get about it. Like sometimes you start in and I'm like, okay, so the gas, the gas company out in front of your house, really <laughs> <I know>. actually, <laughs> that's a story for another time. But I, I do really believe that, you know, unfortunately there's money to be made and big pharmaceutical mm -hmm. does not really want us to tap into what nature provides both medically and psychologically. And, you know, a disclaimer, though, like if you find yourself obsessed with plant medicine or psychedelics, you may have a problem. So I also, you know, want to mention that that's the reason I cannot partake. It does kick off the obsession in me and I will get mm -hmm. lost fully in it. But I think for people like you, as we call you normies, I think it's beautiful. I think the psychological benefits behind shrooms, even ecstasy, uh, not the kind that's so like chemically induced, but the more naturalistic uh, way, like there's big psychological like benefits to it, spiritual benefits to it. Like ayahuasca, I know tons of people that have had amazing experiences with it. So I'm all here for it. I think that, you know, especially in America, there's, there's money to be made. I mean, the truth is most of our diseases mm. are curable already folks, but there's money to be made. So I'm really interested to see the, the guests that you, that you found to hear what they have to talk about and to, push you to do more drugs and I will be your <laughs> midwife. I will be your midwife. I'll give you I'll give you a Vix to sniff while you're all fucked up and I'll watch out for you through the so I'm here for it. <laughs> it almost will be kind of like role reversal from like our friendship spanning back pre recovery well, for you. <laughs> just please don't leave all my shit out in front of your door and tell me to, please, to leave. <laughs> my bad, Ashley. <laughs> oh, the adventures of our so year-long friendship. Talk, okay. Yeah. Let's talk real quick about like you and weed though, and like your journey with that, you know, cause there was the stigma that you picked up from society that, you know, if you smoked weed, you're a bad girl or you were lazy. So let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, I think what I noticed from us when we stepped into this podcast is that it made me very clear of what my edges were and like what I would notice I would like hold back and not talk about. And then I looked at that and now I'm like, wait, why am I? I live in California. Like I go to this <laughs> place that looks like the Apple store <laughs> with it's it, very interesting as well, being in those places and just like, seeing the variety like of the, such a diverse group of people man you know that really do take part in i don't know these different forms of cannabis and weed and cbd who knows what they're buying um but i i noticed my hesitancy to talk about it because i i think that i had i think people in my family that i was just like what's my mom gonna say like who am i gonna offend i have a business like Am I gonna like take it too far with any of my my clients and just like totally weird them out? And then I realized that none of that really belonged to me. Like I think even you hearing me say that, you're like, you know that that doesn't align with me or what I value. And so I think Girl, I just ripped off the band aid. <laughs> your, your business, your businesses lead with your magic, and you think your clients can be like, "Oh my god, you smoke weed? Like I'm out." Like, yeah, I think it was a big society put a big, you know, stamp on it. Like, this is naughty, this is bad, this is taboo. And I love watching you step into it. <laughs> I, I, a lot of my friends that smoke weed don't want to hang out with me, not because I'm sober, because I do 
push more weed on them and, and indulge them in more edibles and try to get them to smoke more weed. And I've started to, I got to relax with you. I realize that cause I'm always, I love high Ashley. She's even more creative and fun and weird. So I'm here for it. I know that's not necessarily the topic, but I want to say I'm here for it. Please smoke more weed. <laughs> well, if you think about, you know, we talked about the Grace and Frankie show and that I was like very much the Frankie Lily Tomlin route where with age, I think I just get more and more weird and out there. And I think I'm even maybe on a more accelerated path. So, I mean, who knows where I'm going to end up? So I'm fucking great. I'm Gracie. Cool. I'm Gracie. Is that what's going on here? I don't know if I'm hip with that. It's okay. It's it's not about that. But okay. I, um, yeah, I definitely just have this desire to even like bring in, I feel like I'm still like new. Like I'm really curious, Greg, our first guest, he like actually will do integration ceremonies. Like after people do ayahuasca, he'll tell us or maybe other things for them to like either deepen their experience or maybe if there was something that didn't make sense for them to maybe have a different relationship with it. And so I just think it's really fascinating. And I think I'm sort of like, I'm like kind of showing up to topics like this and knowing that I'm wanting these experiences. And it's sort of like, I feel like I'm almost like planning my future vacation, maybe to Peru to sort of, <laughs> I don't know, work with a shaman and come back and have a session with Craig. <laughs> Cause I just, I just am so curious, like, you know, what people are utilizing this for like what he's seen in terms of what's been released and what's been healed. Um, and then I know that our second guest is more in like the, the CBD, more in like the cannabis world, like around the legalization of it. I really want him to talk about um, the US patent on, on cannabis, which I think is pretty, pretty interesting since it's still federally illegal. So that's interesting, right? There's money to be made. And this is, the, again, I, I will get on a high horse about this, but let's bring the first guest in. Let's talk about it. I'm trying to honor his time because the thing is, is that like, I tell people like, okay, we'll bring you in at 515 and I want to be respectful. I don't want to just like pounce on Greg and have, what if he's like having a, a snack or like a pre-show like iced tea or something, and we just pull him in unexpectedly. That would be, a, a I mean. Pre, a pre-show iced tea? We're talking about plant medicine, like he's having a pre-show iced tea? Like, I don't know, I don't know what he drinks. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually pull in a few comments here because okay. there's people watching and they're starting to sort of like chime in with sort of like, I think their relationship to the topic. I had somebody like offline, like um, be like, oh my gosh, I've done utilize ayahuasca. I'm so here for this topic. And I've done utilized it for like microdosing for healing. Let's see, Lamont is saying, he's like, he's very sober, but he doesn't judge other people for partaking. He's like, if it does help you and it doesn't destroy your life, I say go for it. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously having like a spiritual community separate from people that might be sober or recovered, um, I think that even people that are like spiritual purists, they're very much like, you know, it's just vibrational and that only gets you to a certain level. And I feel like there's sort of many paths and if that's their path, like great. And if someone else is feeling this like strong intuitive connection to some other kind of plant medicine, great, you know? So I just feel like no one needs to be on a spiritual high horse around sort of, you know, 
if something's like spiritually great enough, you know? <laughs> so Vanessa, she was saying she's a micro dab. Yes. Every day I learn my personal dosage that helps me stay relaxed and functional. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if I can allow you to start. Have you tried dabbing yet? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. I just thought that, wait. Ooh, oh, that oh, oh, I mean, I've had some good times dabbing and then I've had some meltdowns dabbing. I've had okay. some. Somebody yeah. needs to get me a dictionary because I just felt like, oh, dabble. Like it's a micro version of dabbling in something. Dab, and I'm like, that's a cute dabble. word. God, we need these guests to educate you. It's not okay. It's All right. Let's just bring in Greg because I'm. Dab. Like I'm going to bring you on, Greg. You're muted. Hello. Hello. I think there's been a mistake. I'm here for the podcast, but I kind of walked into <laughs> someone having fun. I'm pretty sure I'm in the wrong place. We'll try to get more serious. Sorry about that, Greg. All right, thank you. I would appreciate that. <laughs> Welcome, so, friend. Thank hi. You. hi. Hi. I would love for you to share with people what you what you do, just a little bit about your your role as this like psychedelic, you know, uh, integration coach. Um, psychedelic integration itself is helping people to take the lesson from their experience and integrate that in their daily lives. How I do that is I work with people before an experience. So I'll talk to them about how to surrender, how to let go, how to navigate, stay grounded, breathe, what to do if things get scary, because that's a very important piece to all this, basically how to get the most out of the experience. Afterwards, we'll talk about what happened during the experience because psychedelics don't always give us words. You know, you and I have defenses built up against words. If I don't think I'm deserving of love, literally everyone in the world can tell me I am. I don't hear it. Mm. So psychedelics don't just hold up a sign saying, hey, you deserve love. They mm. work around that. So they use story, metaphor, pictures, sounds. They might scare us or elate us. They might show us our life from a detached perspective. And they use symbology a lot of times. So sometimes things happen in a psychedelic experience and the people who experienced it aren't sure what it meant. So you kind of have to help them suss out the meaning, the theme, the lesson that takes some knowledge of how personal psychology affects the psychedelic experience. And then, all right, so I've got that lesson. What am I going to do now? So I will use techniques from cognitive behavioral therapy, neurolinguistic programming, and a wide variety of personal and spiritual development practices to help people create new and drop old habits, patterns, ways of thinking, to make shifts or changes in their lives. You know, a, a small shift in your life can lead to a profound change. And to me, the psychological and the spiritual kind of intertwined. You know, you have to get rid of the baggage that we've gathered from the time we were born into this incarnation in order to elevate yourself spiritually. So they're all part of the same thing. So basically, I help people figure out what happened and then what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do now? What are we going to do on the ground? How are we going to make a change in your life? I'm there to help them, coach them, advise them in that process. How did you get into this, Greg? I'm just like really fascinated by all of it. It's a complete accident. <laughs> no, I, was just like, <laughs> I got a got a flyer in the mail. I sent in. I got a diploma. <laughs> no, like seven years ago, my life got. I was living like a suburban life, so I got mixed up in um, hard drugs. I did psychedelics in my late teens, late you know mid to late twenties, and then I got mixed up in hard drugs, and I pretty much spiraled. I was at the bottom of the barrel when. Luckily, I got yanked out. I went cold turkey. I moved away from where I lived. I managed to get away from drugs, and I quit doing everything except for cannabis, which I abused for like 20 years. 
And then about seven years ago, my life got turned upside down. Person I was married to at the time died suddenly. And so I'm in grief and I realized at that time I've got a lot of childhood trauma I hadn't dealt with. I started seeing a therapist and a coach. And then, you know, someone reminded me about psychedelics. So I started using them. And I had a couple of experiences and I thought, well, now I see what's going on. So everything's going to be changed. And in about three to five weeks, nothing had changed. That's what happens sometimes if you don't do something with it. It feels different in the afterglow. But then in a matter of days, weeks, months, you get back to where you were. This kind of goes back to what James was saying about people going back to plant medicine over and over. Sometimes that's because they don't do anything with it afterwards. So they, keep the, they think that the experience is the thing. Mm. Oh, yeah, when I was in an experience, that felt great. If you do something with it afterwards, you don't have to keep going back. If you extract something from it, if you don't, sometimes you end up going back over and over again. You know, there's a saying that says, if you don't integrate, you're having a one-time experience over and over again. I so that. I discovered the process of integration. I went to some integration circles. Those are safe spaces where people ask questions and talk about their experiences and do research. It's basically a place to build community too. It's a safe space. I eventually started leading those circles. I was doing some energy work at the time. I realized I was doing some coaching because people were saying, hey, I really like what you said about this. I went and got some training and coaching. And then uh, one of the integration coaches I worked with said, hey, can I refer clients to you? I eventually got certified as an integration coach and I started working full-time as an integration coach a little over two years ago. You're curious about something, James. I heard you well, in the <laughs> it, You just sound like you totally had a Michael Singer experience where the, the universe just kind of took you step by step. And I, I just love that. But I'm really intrigued that you did say you're abusing cannabis. And I, I would like to hear your perspective on that for a minute because, you know, I, I do watch a lot of people I love, love weed. I love people that smoke weed, but I do watch people get to the point where they abuse cannabis. Do you, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Well, I remember watching, so I smoke cannabis every day. Mm -hmm. I smoke cannabis when I woke up. Sometimes at night I'd fall asleep watching television and I'd wake up and smoke some cannabis before I went to bed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just was, I, one thing I didn't realize I saw, I don't know if you've seen Graham Hancock's TED talk on uh, the war on consciousness, but he says at some point, at one point that I had a 25 year cannabis habit, which basically means I was high for 25 years. Now, when he said that, I thought, oh, my God, I've been high for over 20 years. <laughs> so I just stayed high. I can remember a couple of times like running out for a few days. And then when I got high, I'm like, wow, I'm really high. No, it was just that I wasn't unhigh before. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost to the point where it's not enjoyable. It's No, I didn't. I, I was trying to. It's like any addict. I was trying to stay in that state. I wasn't here and trying to get here. I was just trying to stay here. Okay. I, I love that you clarified that. that. I love yeah, that you, you know, Addicts that. don't like to sit with themselves and their minds and their consciousness and their memories and their feelings. You know, that's Damn. why most addicts are addicts is I probably don't have to tell you. Yeah, you don't. But I love that you clarified that because again, like we can be a beautiful thing and I feel like I'm being like such a purist right now, but it, it can get to the point where you're extracting yourself from life instead of letting it really highlight life. So thank you for saying that. It took about two and a half months for me to realize that I had finally gotten unhigh. Like, wow, there's actually a difference in me now when weed is not coursing through every cell in my body every moment of the day. I love weed. I don't use it as much now. I use it occasionally. I use it more intentionally. But yeah, mm -hmm. I could tell the difference when I finally kind of detoxed after over 20 years. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm curious for those that are seeking 
well, ayahuasca is the one that I just know. Like, I mean, can you maybe tell us some other options or things out there? Because I am very uneducated on like what else people are are doing these days. I guess. Well, yeah, first, really. first, since you are on um, recovery, um, I don't know if you're familiar with ibogaine. Ibogaine is a tryptamine that is extracted from the root of a bush native to West Africa, the aboga bush. Now, uh, there is a spiritual discipline in West Africa practiced by about 300,000 people called Bwiti, where they use iboga as a part of their rituals. And it is, you know, an 18 to 36 hour journey that can be very arduous and hard on the body. If you're going to use this, you actually have to have an EKG and a liver test because if you have a certain cardiac condition, liver condition, you're taking certain medications, you can die taking ibogaine. But wow. when ibogaine is used in clinics in Mexico and Canada, because it's illegal in the United States, of course, it is used to treat opioid and heroin addiction. And with one treatment, after 18 to 36 hours, people come out with no withdrawals and usually with no um, desire to use substances again. A lot of that is dependent on aftercare. You can't just go back to your old environment because with Ibogaine, there's a lot of neuroplasticity. Your brain's ready to make new neural connections. So if you go back to your old environment, your brain says, oh, we're doing this again. With correct aftercare, where you're taken out of your environment for a month, two months, maybe three months, the rate of success using Ibogaine as opposed to regular uh, treatments in the United States is double or more. Wow. So it's a phenomenal substance that is actually used to help people get onto drugs. It's used to help people get off of drugs. It's really a plant medicine. But Ibogaine mm -hmm. is extracted from a boga. Now, probably one of the most uh, well-known uses, uh, uses of psychedelics right now are the government-sanctioned clinical studies being done by MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. They're using MDMA to treat treatment-resistant PTSD in veterans and having phenomenal success. They are in stage three of those trials now. If mm. this stage of the tri if trials is uh, uh, successful, then MDMA-assisted psychotherapy should be a prescribable treatment, probably sometime in 2021, 2022. Wow. There have been clinical studies that help people with end-of-life anxiety. Saw a very touching documentary with a woman who had cancer. And she said, I'm going to die and I'm ruining my relationship with my children and my, my husband because of my anxiety. So they showed her going into the room, putting on the eye shades and the headphones with a guide. And the next scene was a scene of her son giving her eulogy. And he said, from that day on, she loved every second of her life right up until the last one. Wow. That just yeah. made me really emotional because um, it's, I feel like there's so much like beauty. There's, there's so many experiences for people. Do you have a perspective on, on maybe why we've, been sort of pushed against it, even though it, it, it's, I mean, it, it's our lineage in terms of like, I feel like ancient cultures have been using it. Why have we been pushed away from it from your perspective? Well, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that these drugs were almost all made schedule one, which means they have no medical use and they are addictive, which is absolutely proven, provably false. And then at the end of the 1960s, around the time of the Vietnam War, I personally know people who took LSD on the battlefields, not while they were in battle, but on the battlefields in Vietnam, and then suddenly said, why am I over here killing people? People were taking LSD and burning their draft cards. You can't have a capitalist country like this, consumer society without a functioning army of at least pliable soldiers, if not willing soldiers. As you said, you cannot control people who are in touch with their own consciousness, who are introspective. And 
you know, this is a consumerist society. Since mm -hmm. the 1920s, you know, advertising agencies have figured out that they make people buy things by emotional connections. There was a guy named uh, Edward Bernays. This was actually the nephew of uh, Sigmund Freud, who figured out that you don't just show people and say, hey, our car is bigger and it costs less. You say, hey, how would you feel driving this beautiful car? You know, that people buy for emotional reasons. He started using stereotypes and propaganda. And eventually studies came out saying that unhappy people make better buyers. Mm. So this society is not set up for people to find happiness. You know, sexually free people, sexually responsible people can't be controlled. But then people are together and they're happy. So we have stereotypes of the war against men and women, or when you back it up from a non-heteronormative perspective, the war between partners, you know, uh, for men and women, you know, men want sex, but intimacy, women is different. There's the honeymoon period, no matter who you are. As soon as you get to know each other, things are going to get bad. As soon as you get married, your sex life is over. All of these stereotypes and falsehoods that are fed to us to keep us apart and keep us unhappy. Making plant medicine and psychedelics illegal is part of that whole scheme, if you will. You know, we're not put here in this country. We're not designated by the people who run this country as people who are free to explore their consciousness, to be free and to be happy and to survive how we want. We're supposed to be part of the system and buy things and do what they want us to. It's not a conspiracy theory. That's just how these things are run. You can't have an army where people say, screw you, I'm not going to kill people. I'm not buying your stuff. I'm going to stay here and make love with my wife because we're very happy together. None of that works for the way that this whole system's put together. Mm. You're kind of blowing my mind in the best kind of way, Greg. And, <laughs> and I, I love that you come on with plant medicine and you're so well-spoken and educated because, I mean, like we were talking earlier about stereotypes of spirituality. And that's kind of why we started the podcast, that people that are into spirituality are crazy and kooky and they're witches and they're insane. And here you come on, you're educated and know what the hell you're talking about. And you're blowing my goddamn mind, man. We need, <laughs> people, we need people like Greg that look very kind of conservative and white collar and corporate because then people already believe <laughs> don't believe greg Put my tie on. <laughs> but, but greg just real quick can you some of the people that you've worked with can you just without you know blowing any kind of disclosure like some of the traumas you've helped people get through people that you've seen really recover from past traumas or anything like that that you've really seen plant medicine be really effective for? Yeah, I should say that there are times when someone will have a very strong and profound experience with psychedelic or plant medicine and change. I make my bed every day. Uh, you know, I'm less, uh, I'm less impatient in traffic. My depression's down. Most of the time what happens is people have an experience and there is a significant, all these clinical studies I mentioned have a significant therapeutic component on the front and back end. So a lot of times, when the gains are made, they're, they're made after the experience. So psychedelics don't necessarily fix us. They show us what needs to be worked on, then it's up to us. That's where therapists and coaches and accountability partners come in. So the things I have seen in the aftermath of an experience are people who've gotten over OCD. You know, there was one guy I worked with who, one of his biggest things was he could not let his life, wife load the dishwasher, even if he watched her because he would be up until three or the four in the morning until he went down and checked every dish himself. So he had to load the dishwasher. His life was a hell because of things like this. He now throws the dishes in the dishwasher himself and pays no attention to them. People who overcome depression, anxiety, 
some of my favorite things are when people say things like, um, you know, I realize that there's not really a problem. I'm fucking things up the way I think about it. I just think there's a problem. You know, those are my favorite kind of things. When I realize that the problem is not that I'm anxious, the problem is that I'm worried about being anxious. And I spend mm. all my time up here worrying about this thing. That's a big thing I teach people that we have these layers of neuroses. We build on real problems and they're not real problems. So now I'm anxious and I'm worried about being anxious. So I spend all my time worrying about being anxious. I never deal with the anxiety and I never feel it. People feeling their feelings afterwards is one of the biggest wins I see from people because we are trained from birth not to be mad or sad mainly. So, you know, if people take mushrooms, there's like an 80 to 90% chance they're going to cry because everybody has tears stuffed inside of them that about not let go. One of the greatest things plant medicines do during the experience and afterwards is to let go of suppressed emotions. So sometimes people say, well, I had this great experience, but I feel really shitty for two days now after I took mushrooms. I tell them, that's great. <laughs> Write it out. Feel it. Don't try to feel better. Don't take 5-HTP or try to go in the park or listen to nice music. Let yourself feel shitty for a while because you've earned that. It wants to get out of you. You know, we're not made as storehouses for emotions, but that's what we do all our lives. Yeah. Emotions have a beginning, middle, and end. You know, they need to be experienced. We get them to here and then we say, whoop, that's enough. I don't feel like doing this right now. And then we stuff it in this closet. And after a while, the door is shaking because the closet's full and it needs to get out. And people are wondering, why am I stuck? Why do I procrastinate? Why do I feel so, why do I have a bad attitude? Why do I have trouble connecting with people? Yeah, I feel like when those denser frequencies and vibrations are released through the emotions, like it leaves like this open space. And I feel like people probably do really up level or sort of at times go through like a rebirth of seeming like, they're actually able to uh, become maybe something that wasn't possible before with all those things they were carrying around. So that totally makes sense. It does make sense. How can people find you if they want to start maybe going on a journey like this and work with you maybe before an experience? Are there any like groups that you have on Facebook? I know we'll drop your links in the comments and in the show notes, but any places that people can find you? Yeah, I'm on Facebook as Psychedelic Integration Specialist. My uh, website's psychedelicintegrationspecialist.com. Um, Psychedelic Integration is my Instagram. And I do have talks from time to time. I've done talks on microdosing, the guided psychedelic journey. So if people follow me, they'll see that we have some public talks. And I do some relationship teaching with my wife, too, who's, who's an author and a psychotherapist. Ooh. Well, I hope to be your client one day, Greg. I, I, absolutely welcome. You'll get the friends and the friends and family discount. <laughs> I hope Ashley is your client one day. <laughs> <laughs> You're a good friend, James. I, aren't I? <laughs> but Greg, thank you. Like, so, like I honestly am quiet because you've given me so much to digest. So thank you for coming on and being so forthright and educating the shit out of us. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank really you good. both. Thank you, My pleasure. Bye, Greg. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you soon. Oh my gosh. So I'm excited to bring in Peter, but like this topic, I feel like is like so much more powerful than I even imagined. So I'm going to pull in um, Peter to the stream, our next guest, Peter Holden. Hey, Peter, how are you? Oh, you're muted, Peter. Let's unmute you. Mm -hmm. Almost. Almost. Yes. Okay. Oh. We're good. We're good. Hey, Peter. Hey, guys. How are you? That was, I, I caught the last like 15, 20 minutes. That was really fascinating. Extremely fascinating. 
Yeah. So nice to meet you, Peter. Welcome to the round table. Thank you for having me. So I know Peter, I I tapped you because you were more on the cannabis side. I know that you have a company that um, is, is related. There's a lot of CBD products on there. And I was like, okay, let's talk like cannabis because I feel like that's something that we're starting to see in some states, at least depending on where you live, starting to be legalized. Um, so can you tell people just a little bit about your your background and and what really interested you in this topic? Yeah, um, well, uh, I've been involved in the legalization movement since 96. Uh, my first experience with pot was before that. They were when I was back in you know, middle school, high school. <laughs> I grew up in Oregon. And, uh, you know, in Oregon, the two things you know is, is pot and beer. Right? It's like, it's like growing up in Bordeaux, France, you know wine. It's the same thing with that with growing up in Portland. Um, so, and my brother became, a, my younger brother became a grower. So, in, uh, by 96, he was a master grower, was one of the, was one of the first guys growing medicinal up in Oregon uh, when it legalized medicinally up there. And, um, and so, over the years, uh, as he was kind of running his business, um, I helped business manage for him, uh, helped, you know, trim and stuff, uh, learned the science from him and uh, his other master grower, Todd, uh, just basically to get free pot, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <Atta> boy. <laughs> yeah, I've, been, I've been an actor for 30 years, so it's, it's, that's been kind of the side gig while acting's my main gig. Um, and then when, uh, when full legalization happened, we started working on a farm up in Oregon um, and the industry got really fucky. Um, it got really, the prices dropped. We've got, which I'm sure we'll get into as far as like the legalization the issues nationally with that. Um, but kind of realized that until you can move stuff over state lines, it's going to be very difficult for growers, no matter how good the quality is, for them to legitimately, you know, make a living, make any money. At the same time, um, I started doing a lot of research on CBD, just as a, as a and the hemp-based CBD. <clears throat> and that's what really got us kind of moving in that direction, particularly with the website and realizing, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge you know, believer in, in THC as for its medicinal properties. Um, never really knew a lot about CBD until I kind of got into the research. And realizing that CBD is nature's probably best anti-inflammatory. And it's an anti-inflammatory on a cellular level, right? So it's actually unlike, uh, a lot, for example, steroids. If you're taking steroids, which, you know, if you need them, they're great. And they do, they work as anti-inflammatory, but they also over time degenerate the cells. Uh, just, I mean, the, the cells they're there to treat are being broken down by steroids, where mm -hmm. CBD is exactly the opposite. It's regenerative. So as you're taking CBD, you get the anti-inflammatory, but then you're also getting... You're, the, the cell health is improving. Um, and then when you started, we started getting into the research with CBGs and the other cannabinoids, uh, what the research is showing for what they're doing for Alzheimer's patients, Parkinson's patients. And it's, it's somewhat from the same ideas that it's not only is it bringing down inflammation in the brain, which is what like Alzheimer's, as for example, does. The, the capillaries inside the brain starts to swell and starts to pinch off and damage the circuits. Right. Well, CBD, no, it's not a cure-all. It, it, none of these are cure-alls. Um, but it by it not only was uh, takes down the inflammation, but it also helps with regenerative growth. Not necessarily at the same rate that Alzheimer's can, particularly as it gets more advanced, can degenerate. 
but certainly no, no, all kinds of studies are showing that it's slowing it down. Mm. Um, and so when we started getting into that, I, I decided that, you know, our website was going to be, we, we couldn't sell pot online, but we could sell CBD online. And so when I, and, I, and all this research was convincing me, it was, it was the best option for us. And then we had an experience. My brother, who was my partner, um, you know, I kept saying, dude, try this stuff. Because I started getting samples and stuff. But one of the things that we do, that Holden Farm CBD does, is every single product that we have on there, we triple batch test independently. Because there are there is no testing regime in the United States for, actually anywhere in the world, really, uh, for certifying whether it's real or not. And we, we went for our first batch of companies to try and look at companies who were, you know, we needed people who could supply and could do the business side of actually getting the product to us. You know, not a mom and pop in their in their kitchen figuring out how to do it, but actual legit companies. Out of 60 companies that we tested, only seven passed our triple batch test. Wow. So we, everything from you get this, you get these products and you test them. And let's say they say it's 500 milligrams. Well, you test it and it's got nothing or it's got five milligrams or then you go then you have inconsistency one you have 100 milligram and one has 150 and the next one has 25 or again it's just terpenes doesn't have um anything else in it so which was fascinating to me and i realized that was for us that and the science was incredibly important to me um, if you go to our site we've got a science page which actually i think it's the most traffic on our site by a long shot um, and we've got every NIH study regarding to cannabis or CBD broken down by the different conditions that people have um, and really try to make it easy for people to get the information. And, and you know, God gave us a, a, a miracle gift. Uh, but the, what, what convinced us to go forward was literally over a one day period, my brother, who just refused to try the stuff. I kept sending him samples saying, give a shot to this. He's like, dude, I smoke pot every day. I don't need this shit. I've already got it in my system. And I said, just fucking give it a try, man. I mean, stop being a dick and sell it, try. <laughs> and one day he was really complaining because he has, he, he, from an injury when he was younger and he's been swinging a hammer and he's got really bad arthritis, particularly in one hand, right? And he was coming home cold and his hand was just like a claw. Like it couldn't move. And when he'd get like that, it would take him six, seven hours to be able to be able to move his hand again normally. So he just goes, well, fuck it. There's this thousand milligram flower child stuff we've got. You know, let me just give it a shot, see what happens, right? He puts it on, not thinking anything of it, then realizes 10 minutes later, his hand completely moves. And he, that he hasn't been able to do that in 15 years when it got like that. Wow. So he's like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Then later that day, my niece, who was born with psoriasis, she, she's got really bad skin problems. Mm -hmm. And they've done everything. They went through all the different products to, you know, to try and help the clothes she was wearing or whatever, you know, the, try to keep it down. And they did a great job, diet, all that stuff. But there were two spots in the back of her knee and her back of her neck that never went away from the time she was born. And she would wake up, poor kid would wake up just bloody, from scratching. So my brother, my brother, and let's see, Stella was, I think, eight at the time. It's a couple of years ago. Uh, he goes, he has this, that, this stuff in his hand. He's like, well, apparently works for my art. Let's give it a shot. It's not going to hurt us. Let's put it on the back of her neck and put it on the back of her knees before she goes to bed. And, you know, what the hell? See what happens, right? Next morning, she woke up for the first time in her entire life. It completely cleared up. That's wow. Completely cleared up. And then the first one. 
And the last one of the day was my grandmother who was living with him at the time, who was losing her memory. I mean, she had, you know, couldn't remember 10 minutes from 10 minutes. Uh, she gets, she used to, she gets gout occasionally, right? And she was complaining about her toe and her toe, the gout, she had a gouted toe. It was all swelled up and cracking and ugly. So Matt goes, well, shit, this stuff's worked twice. Let's try. Let's just see what happens. You know, nothing we have in the science. No one's ever tested gout, but what the hell? Let's try it. So he puts it on her toe, puts the sock back on, comes back an hour later and says, Grandma, how's your toe? She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, your toe's hurt. So how's your toe feeling now? She's like, my toe, my toe's fine. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> Pulls the sock off and literally the swelling's gone. The gout, it's just, it's just, it's gone. So needless to say, that day became a major, my brother became a uh, converted to the mm. CBD side of things. Uh, after yeah. I, I have a, a question while we have you here. I definitely will make sure that we're dropping your, your site in the comments and putting it in the show notes so that people find their way to check out all this like magic that you guys carry. Like, I feel like it's, it's, you know, Feels magical. We're just, we're just going through the science. Just through the science. Yeah, I love magic though. So I'm to me. <laughs> Let's go that way. It's That's fun. good. I was like, men want science, and well, I guess women do as well. But sometimes, like nature <laughs> is magical. God damn it, nature is magical. Peter, don't press back on the, the magical. Right, it's a trigger for hey, her. Man. <laughs> Your previous guest, Jeff. I mean, I, I was listening to that going. You know those those mushrooms, those magic mushrooms are no shit. I mean, they are magic. Yeah, they've yeah. been magic throughout my life. You know. Tell me this, Peter. I was telling you that I was curious. Of, is there a U.S. government patent on cannabis, or maybe some use of cannabis? Like, is there truth to to, to that? <laughs> what, what can no. You well, what, what what there what there is is there's there's attempts at um, uh, patenting isotopes. Right, you can't, you cannot ice, you can't patent a plant. Um, that you cannot do, but you can, you can patent an isotope. So, what you have companies like Monsanto and the major big ag companies have been working for the last several years to try and isolate a a genetic specific isotope that they can patent and then sell to to uh, you know other pharmaceutical companies, beauty companies, whatever. Um, and there's a couple that have patents pending. Problem is, is that with cannabis, cannabis is a very interesting plant. It's actually somewhat like a tomato, in the sense that it is a constantly evolving genome. So, let's say, for example, I mean, I'm assuming you guys may have smoked a little pot in your lives. Uh, let's say you guys had you have some killer your killer green bud. That was the stuff when I was growing up. It was like the best you have KGB or sour diesel or whatever, right? I actually smoked it five minutes ago. Some sour diesel. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. I've got some train wreck. I'm going to be smoking as soon as we're done here. <laughs> I may, I may, I may light up before we're done. I'm just being honest. But um, so the, the plant itself is constantly evolving. So if you get sour diesel from one batch, you're not getting the same sour diesel the next batch. It's even if you take the same, if you're seeding off those same plants, those that it, the, the the basic. RNA of the plant changes over time. Mm -hmm. Each successive growth. It's also one of the reasons why it's very difficult to patent the seeds because it also happens in this on the seed level. You know, so the seeds themselves, like Monsanto, 
trying to like the biggest money they make is selling uh, sexualized, desexualized seeds to farmers, right? Ones that are just female only. Well, you, you can't manufacture cannabis seeds the same way you would corn seed or soy seed. They just don't, they won't, they won't maintain. You'll still have males. Nature prevails. It will, it will combat what they try and do to, to, uh, to alter it. So going back to the isotope and the idea of patenting, yes, they can, they are trying to patent those isotopes, but they're just not successful. A and B, what also every study is finding is those isotopes, which is the only way they could patent it, um, are not nearly as effective on any level as whole plant. So if you take pure CBD and you get it down to its basic isotope, that CBD pure is not as good for you and will not be as effective as a CBD that you extract from whole plant. The cannabinoids mm. need each other. They need the trace level other cannabinoids to activate themselves. THC is the same way. If you like, if you ever had a, if you when you get uh, uh, what are they, fucking uh, the tar stuff you smoke, I, I can't think of the name of it. Um, oh, is it like? You know the salvia yeah, uh, having a dab getting a dab yeah this is coming back ashley here okay she is still you know a, a mom of two she thought it was dabble she thought people yeah. were dabbling i'm like micro dab i was like it's not even like kind of like you're dabbling but like on a just like a small level like yeah <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it, no, it, it, but when you when you uh, when you smoke the dab the, the dab, I mean, it fucks you up mm -hmm. without a doubt. It's, it's oh. almost it's like pure THC, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but you're not getting any of the other properties. And if you notice that it doesn't really la the the dab will have very different effects than if you smoke a joint or if you smoke a bowl or you know and the other ways that you that you smoke it. And part of it is that it, it's also not nearly as as uh, uh, as effective. Because you basically extracted out the stuff that makes it whole plant. So, so, Peter, I know we're coming towards the end of it, but I just had a, a question. Since you've been around for a long time with the whole legalization of it, what really do you think is the core? I mean, I think history has proven that weed isn't necessarily evil or bad for society. What do you think the whole struggle with the legalization of weed has been at the core of it? Uh, there's two issues, money and racism. Uh, money from the sense that, you know, look, up until, up until 1930, 1928, every pharmacist in this country uh, gave out, you know, one of the things that they'd have in their pharmacies were, uh, were cannabis tinctures, were can was, was cannabis. And that was given for up to 60 different ailments, everything from menopause to headaches to, it was, it was always used. The biggest crop that George Washington had was a mixture of cannabis and hemp. Right. So it was, it was a constantly used and it was in our diets, too, it was hemp seed was used in everything. Hemp milk was used in everything night in the year after it was illegalized is the year that bear aspirin hit the market. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you've also got an issue of Monsanto uh, not wanting to compete with something that they couldn't control. The big ag didn't want to do it. And then you had Dill Chemical that created nylon rope. Right. So in the 1930s, it gets it gets illegalized. It gets completely illegalized because Dow Chemicals and the two guys who owned it happened to be senators had it got it illegalized so they could sell nylon rope to the Navy. Well, the war happens 
And and these nylon ropes were snapping all over the places. They're not nearly as strong as hemp ropes. And that's why FDR uh, carved out the hemp exception into the law, specifically so that they would be able to expy the Navy with frickin' rope, right? So then, then we then we kind of skip forward to the to a few years after the war, and they they wanted to uh, again financially make it unfeasible for for marijuana to exist, even though every doctor was showing that it that it shouldn't that it shouldn't be illegal. Um, and so they decided to scapegoat blacks and Mexicans. You know, mar- for example, marijuana is not a word. Marijuana is not actually a uh, a technical term. It was marijuana. It was basically to make Mexican make, to make it a Mexican thing, and the reason why Mexicans and blacks smoked pot as opposed to taking tinctures is because they could grow in their backyard and it was cheap. Mm. They could get the same medicinal benefits without having the without having to go pay the pharmacist for it, or having to pay somebody else for the tincture for it. So those are the two reasons why it stayed illegal. And then in nineteen, then Nixon in nineteen sixty nine uh, did his blue ribbon commission, basically to finally proved the war on drugs and proved that pot was should be schedule one. It was terrible. He put all these incredibly conservative doctors and uh, researchers together to, to tell him why this is terrible. They all came back and said, not only should this not be schedule one, it should be sold over the counter. And so Nixon promptly put it in his desk and never released it because big companies wanted to keep it illegal. And because Snap. of the credit strategy, and because of his southern strategy, he wanted to make sure that blacks and Hispanics were being disenfranchised. So that's that's what that that's actually the kind of the history of the legalization issues. We're talking about. I feel like between the two of you, I just cut like schools in the best way. So thank you for all the education. I know we're going to throw your your website up there, but real quick on a side note, I know you're an actor. Where may have we have seen you before, Peter? Well, if you IMDB me, that you'll you'll see a few there. Now, I've been in Social Network, occurred on Goliath. I've I've done about a hundred movies and TV shows. Okay, nice. Ooh. Well, thank you so much for teaching us all about this today. I feel like I learned so much, and I I don't know if there's probably going to be something that I'll tap you for in the future. Maybe we go deeper on this topic specifically. I feel like. I think James as well, like the issue of like racism and sort of like how many people might be in prison right now for, you know, possession or growing marijuana. I feel like that might be like a thing that we go deeper in in the future. So, um, but yeah, thank oh, yeah, you for being surprised to that. If you, if you ever get into the idea of, of uh, racism in the prison system. Yeah. I mean, you just, you, you look at that 25% of blacks that go to jail, went to jail for pot. <laughs> it's a very easy way to put blacks in jail. Yeah, and and they, for minor, tiny amounts of it, and if they exp- if they actually expunge expunge that records, would be tens of millions of people would be expunged or released from prison because of expunged. There's not that many in prison, but they would be out of prison now. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you, Peter, for opening our eyes. That people, with everyone listening, but um, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And we'll thank drop you so Peter's much, Peter. here. Thank you. We'll drop Peter's info into the comments. We'll put it in the show notes so that you can take a look at Holden Farms and all of their CD, CBD products and the science page. For those of you that like need the science more than the magic, but no, yeah, that's <laughs> that co- the, I feel like 
both of those men just like um, really brought it tonight in terms of the things that my eyes were opened to. And I, I, I think Greg actually um, showed you as well. Like maybe you needed to hear it from a, from a man. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think that like he really drove home some points that I, I think that was what I was really seeing as well. Like what, what are you? What do you, hold on. I want you to clarify on what you mean by that, my friend. The whole thing about it being a conspiracy theory, because it's like, I feel like sometimes it's like, oh, these are conspiracy theories. And it's just like, well, let's wait a minute. And I think sometimes if people explain it in a kind of like sciencey way, like, I think I just bring a little bit of like vibrancy and a little bit of like drama maybe to how I'm explaining things with my intensity. But like, yeah, I, don't, I feel like some of the things that are labeled as conspiracies, like honestly, I think even the word conspiracy theory was in, was created by the CIA as a way to discredit people, to be like, to kind of shut people up, you know, so that people stopped talking about things that they didn't want them talking about. And so that's all. I'm, I'm being a little sort of like goofy with you and sort of playful. And I know, I know, but I just want to make it clear, like you and I have had that the conversation before we started this podcast that, you know, spiritual people were made to be crazy and, you know, conspiracy theory does exist to me. And like the, even going back to aliens, cause I'll always bring it back to aliens that, you know, if people believe in aliens to make them look insane, or, you know, if you get too deep into spirituality, if you talk about other realms, like you're a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So I've always believed that, but I, it's the, when people try to make everyday nuances or the reason that society is not gelling a conspiracy theory, that's when I'm like, okay, like it may be a little bit more simplistic than that. Maybe the human connection that we're missing, but I love both those men just educated me so much. Like I'm going to have to listen back to both of it, but I'm so thankful that you brought them to the round table. That was amazing. When are we going to uh, schedule you doing mushrooms? <laughs> Should we just yeah. broadcast that live? Can, just I was gonna, can I film Hi. it? I mean, is that is that okay? <laughs> can, that, can that be our fans only page instead of like and have you on mushrooms or no? Think about it. <laughs> oh, so funny. Um, well, we do have some upcoming topics that we wanted to just sort of like we're gonna plant some some seeds of our upcoming topics at the end of today. We're talking numerology next week, which is the 16th, right? And we're talking about past lives or maybe even sort of lives between lives and how we um, even maybe um, choose or have some choice. Return to source and the, mm -hmm. the, the scouting of what our next experience is gonna be. Mm -hmm. And then All Hallows Eve, which is on the 30th, the day before Halloween. And that's going to be a uh, podcast party. I've coined that term. And we're doing like readings. We're trying to lure, lure, lure Grey Wolf back. Um, I don't know if it's going to be him, but we definitely want someone that's a, a medium or somebody that can potentially sort of do some some readings live. And we'll do a little bit of like play with like, tarot cards and just celebrating things um but yeah today was really fun and follow us like 
on our actual sort of podcast as well. If you guys are listening here, it would help us if you guys subscribe, whether you have Spotify or on Apple Podcasts now, to like go on your phone and subscribe and leave us like a short review because that's gonna help people find us. So we could really use your help with that if you guys watch today, if you're watching now, if you're listening on your phone. Any closing thoughts for you? <laughs> um, just, I'm just really thankful that we, we did this topic because even though I may not partake, it's really great to be educated and to have the knowledge and the resources for people that may need this experience in their life. You know, I think that you can benefit greatly from one of these experiences. I think most people can. So even if I can't partake myself, it, I, they just both beautifully explained a lot. So thank you for bringing that to the round table. And I'm excited for the next few weeks. So I hope people will drop comments and choose to join us and offer themselves up as guests or other guests. And yeah. Mm. Well, bye everybody. Have a good bye. weekend. We'll Love you guys. You